Well, we are at the beginning of a new year, and we're starting a new message series this morning. And what better way to start a new year than in the book of Haggai? All right, uh, Haggai is an Old Testament book, and if you want to turn there in your Bibles, I'll give you a little help. It's between Zephaniah and Zechariah, all right? But once you locate it, I want to encourage you to put a bookmark there or go home and find it in your your Bible's index or whatever and, and uh, find that and then to read through that little book this week. It's only two chapters and I think it'll help you get more out of the messages. If you're really motivated, you can read the book of Ezra, which is kind of gives the background uh, to this story. But before we get into it, I, I want to answer a question that you politely not ask, and that is, why Haggai? You know, why start the new year in an Old Testament book written by a minor prophet over 2,500 years ago? And the answer is because some of us sometimes need a little encouragement, a little motivation, a little shove, if you if you will, uh, to get us moving. And we're starting a new year, and that's a great time t- to uh, reflect on things that maybe you intended to get done last year and didn't, or things that you might have put off for a while, maybe even years, and to hear God speaking to us and telling us the time is now. And that was the message of the prophet Haggai uh, speaking to God's people over 2,500 years ago. And it's a message that we still need today. And the people of Haggai had... um, been given a commission. God had called them to do something, and he sent Haggai to them to get them back on track. They'd kind of not done what God had asked of them. So we're going to look at their story and then talk about how it might apply to our lives. And we're going to start in chapter one. I'm going to walk you kind of through that this morning. But before we do that, I want to give you a little background to this so you kind of get the the story that's behind it and what's going on. And you'll remember that God brought the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. And that first generation of people were pretty faithful to God. They had seen all that he did. He saw they had seen what happened when they didn't and their parents wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. And then they had that period of the judges where they were kind of just doing their own thing. And Chris talked a little bit about that on the first of January. And then um, during King David's reign and the reign of King Solomon, they were pretty faithful to God. But after Solomon died, once again, they wandered off into idol worship, and uh, their sin got to the point, it was so deep, that God had them carried off into exile. And uh, Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar brought his army down. He completely destroyed Jerusalem, burned everything to the ground. Uh, destroying the beautiful temple that Solomon had built. And you get a little bit of the sense of the pain that they experienced as they were being torn out of their homeland and taken off into exile, as you read Psalm 137. It says, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion, which is Jerusalem. There on the poplars we hung our harps, For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? So they were taken off into captivity, and they were there for 70 years. 
But then God did this amazing thing. <clears throat> Seventy years after the first Jews had been deported, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was gone, a new king had come to power, and uh, a remnant of Jewish exiles were allowed to go back to Jerusalem. They were actually commissioned by the king to go and rebuild the temple. And so you can kind of imagine what it'd be like living in this foreign place and you're, you know, got your house in this little village and in comes the king's courier with a message, you can go back to your homeland. And especially for the priest uh, who, you know, got this message that they could go back and rebuild the temple of God and begin to worship him again. It was a time of rejoicing. It was a time of hope and new beginnings. So the Jewish people, they made the long trip back to rebuild the temple. You can read about that in Ezra. They started with the altar, then they laid the foundation, but then they ran into a snag. See, when the Babylonians took them off into exile, they brought a whole other people group in to live in that area. And this people group had lived there 50, 70 years. It was their home. And they weren't very happy about this other group of people coming in building a temple to their very powerful God that they'd heard the stories about. And so they uh, opposed them, and they even got the king involved in it. And so what happened, the Jewish people did something kind of like what we might do. And they said, yikes, this just got hard. This just got difficult. Maybe it isn't time to build the Lord's house. And so they stopped working on God's house, okay? So that's the backstory. And for 14 years, the temple sat there, you know, in ruins still. They hadn't done any more work on it. Instead, guess what they did? They built their own houses. And they built very nice houses, very, very nice houses. And they forgot all about God's house. And that's where Haggai comes in. So if you want to look with me <clears throat> in your Bibles, we're going to be in Haggai chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 2 and skip all the names in verse 1. Um, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, it's kind of like when you, you know, husband come home and you say, your kids, you know. <laughs> These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in paneled houses while this house remains in a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. And take note of that because this is kind of a repeated theme through this chapter. You have planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. And they didn't live in Michigan. <laughs> you earn wages only to put them in purses with holes in it. And then God kind of ex expands on that even further in verses 9 through 11. He says, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because my house, which remains in ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain and on the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock and all the labor of 
your hands. All right, so uh, God kind of is inviting them through Haggai to reflect on their lives, to, to consider their ways. And if you're taking notes, you want to get your message notes out. Just a second. I'm going to give you the first takeaway uh, for us today. Romans 15.4 says that everything that's written in the Old Testament or written in the past is written to teach us. So what can we learn from the book of Haggai? Well, the first thing is that we're being invited to reflect on your life and rededicate yourself anew to God's kingdom work. God was inviting them to give careful thought to their ways. And he graciously, through Haggai, connects the dots for them. Uh, you expected much. You came back here all excited. You were anticipated about what was life was going to be like here, that it would be full of blessing, but you received little. And, you know, the guys may have actually examined their wife's purses for holes. We don't know. But apparently no one made the connection between the harvest and the unfinished temple. And so when Haggai comes with this message, it's like this aha moment for them. Now, okay, now we, now we understand. And, you know, the new year is a good time to pause and kind of do some reflection and think about the activity of God in your life over the last year. What, is, what has God done that you can celebrate? How has God used you in the last year to make a difference? What are some of the victories? Maybe you overcame an addiction or got free of a habit that was harming your health or a relationship. Maybe you uh, uh, read through the Bible in a year, took some kind of a faith step, uh, started a daily prayer time, or uh, maybe got in a small group for the first time. It's important as we follow Jesus to take time to reflect on what he's done for us and in us and, and to give thanks for those things, to thank him for these faith steps that he's enabled you to take. And if you haven't done something like that at the beginning of the year here, I would encourage you to kind of sit down and think about well, what has God done in my life in the last year? Celebrate those faith steps. But it's also important to stop and reflect too, as God has invited the Israelites to do, and consider your ways. Um, are there commitments that you left unfinished? Is there something that you felt called to and then didn't follow through on it? Uh, maybe you were going to set aside time for prayer and you never did that, or reading the Bible and you didn't do that, or you were going to get in a small group and you, you didn't do that. And you, Maybe you felt a nudge to start a new ministry or to serve in, in some way and you put that off. Uh, maybe you quit praying for someone's salvation or for a situation in your family. I don't know what it might be for you. And I'm not trying to make a connection between, you know, last year's strawberry blade or tomato blade in your garden or anything and that unfinished work. But we do see in Scripture that there are spiritual principles at work in our lives. We read things like you reap what you sow. God honors those who honor him. Jesus said, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so maybe, you know, you, you're, you've got a ministry or something that uh, you haven't stopped working on that. You're continuing to do that, but uh, just you're not digging into God's word like you used to. You're not praying like you used to. 
maybe not seeing the fruit that you had saw when you first started out. And I don't know what God is maybe bringing to mind as you, you hear this message, but I encourage you to take some time to reflect on where you are with God and are you just going through the motions? Are you really seeking him? And, and uh, is there something that you've left undone? And one of the things that I do at the beginning of every year <clears throat> is I sit down and, uh, with my Bible and have some prayer time and that kind of thing. But um, I really think about, okay, God, it's another new year. And am I, am I ready to uh, offer myself again to ministry in another year? And I'll, I'll be honest and transparent with you that ever since Forrest retired, sometimes I feel a little bit like, you know, the kid that has to do their homework while everybody's watching Lassie or something, you know, because I see uh, he's just putting a puzzle together or something, you know. But, uh, but uh, this year, again, I sat down and I, and I told God, uh, if you have work for me to do, if you're willing to still use me, then I'm offering you my life again. And, and I really think that's important that you take that time to reflect. Am I going to continue doing the ministries I'm doing or, or those kind of things? Do I still feel called to it? And then to say, God, I'm yours. Here I am. And so there's a place on the back of your connection card. If you want to do that in a public way, let me know that you're doing it. But I'd also suggest uh, at the end of the service when we sing or, or sometime throughout the, the week, Whatever way you feel led, you can come to the altar if you want to. But take time to let God know. Yeah, God, I'm available to you again this year. My life is yours. I, I belong to you. I exist for you. Just to make that commitment to rededicate yourself. And then if there's something that, that you've left unfinished and God's speaking to you about it this morning, uh, to really commit yourself to that as well. So Haggai's message was a call to reflect and to rededicate their lives to the work that God had given them. And then the second thing, there's a second action here that we find, and that is um, we're invited to uh, invite God to stir your heart and renew your passion for the assignment that he's given you. Nobody wants to serve out of guilt or obligation. And, you know, serving often means uh, sacrifice, We have to sacrifice time. We have to sacrifice money. Sometimes it's risky uh, and it can be costly. And we really need God's spirit to stir up our hearts and enable us to be passionate about it and the work that he gives us. That's where the joy comes from. It's from God's spirit. He opens our eyes to see the fruit from it. And uh, so we we need God to stir our hearts. Uh, Look with me again at Haggai verses 7 and 8. <clears throat> says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Okay, so he gives them some specific things to do, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But look at their response in verses 13 and through 15. He says, then Haggai the Lord's messenger gave this message of the Lord to the people, said, I am with you. Now that's, that's important to hear, right? Whenever you're, you're trying to do the work God gives you. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 
day, fourth day of the sixth month. Okay. So God stirred up their heart for the things that mattered to him. And he can stir up our hearts. Uh, he can stir up your heart, my heart. Uh, he can stir up our passion as a church. And every year, you know, at the beginning of the year, I try to give you a prayer that we'll agree on and pray together throughout the year. In your bulletin, I've printed a prayer there in your message notes. And I hope that you'll pray that together this year as we're serving together. But let's let's read it um, uh, together right here. All right. God, we ask you to continue to stir our hearts and fan into flame our passion for the work you've given us in 2017. Give us a spirit of unity and joy as we serve together. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, If you'll keep that, those message notes, I had the idea this morning, too late, but to make a little prayer card, so I'll get that, get that for you. But we need God to stir our hearts as we serve together, and we need his enabling to do the work that he's given us. So, so let's pray together and then ask that uh, he'll stir your spirit for the work that maybe you have left undone, maybe things that, that you need to finish. All right, then the third invitation we find in the story of Haggai is to take action on what God's called you to do. Uh, verses 7 and 8 give us a picture of what God did for them and what he'll do for us if we ask him. And, and watch how loving God is here. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. So he says that again. And then he breaks it down into three simple steps. He says, go up to the mountains, bring down the timber, and build my house so that I might take pleasure and be honored, says the Lord. So here's what you do. Number one, you go up to the mountains. Number two, you bring down the timber. Number three, you build my house. So let's say that again together in case anybody missed it. Go up to the mountains, bring down the timber, build my house. Step one, then step two, then step three, right? Now here's the problem. So many of us are, but, but God... What's step three, uh, four, five, and six, right? <laughs> we need the details. Who's going to pay for this? Who's going to help me with it? Am I going to get a tax write-off for it? How much time is it going to take? And exactly how long will I have to pray before you answer? Uh, I need steps four, five, and six. And God says, don't worry about steps four, five, and six. You just worry about steps one, two, and three. You see... We have to do what God shows us first before he's going to give us another revelation. So that's what it means to walk by the Spirit. When you walk by the Spirit, you're not walking by sight. And I want God to show me everything, right? Are you like that? You know, you just want to, want to know what's going to be four, five, and six. And he's not going to show you that until you take steps one, two, and three. And so very simply, the way to get started on anything that you've been putting off, is to go up to the mountain today. Be faithful one day at a time to what God asks of you. Take that first step. Uh, and on the back of your connection card, there's a place I, I put there that you just saying today I'm going to commit to setting down and figuring out what the next three steps are for that thing that maybe God's speaking to you about today. God's called you to do something that you've put off, 
okay, what are the three steps I need to take? And I just would encourage you to sit down this week and think through it, and then take the first step and trust God with the outcome. That, that's the fourth action that we see in the book of Haggai. Uh, number four, trust God with the outcome. So we do the work and trust God. Um, you're not responsible for the outcome. You're just responsible for your obedience, and that's it. You know, as I was thinking about the title for this this message, every Tuesday i got to do the bulletin, i got to have a, a title, and I'm not even all the way done with the message yet. It's like what it... But uh, as I was thinking about the title, there was a song that came on the radio. It's by Hawk Nelson. It's called Live Like You're Loved. And the next step is Walk Like You're Free. But And that's really what God was inviting the Israelites to, what he invites us to every day, to, to live today like you're loved, like you're loved by a good and great God. And whatever God has called you to do, he's with you. He loves you. And he's going to both enable you to do it and walk with you every step of the way. And I, I don't know what the assignment is or what God might be speaking to you about, uh, what's come to mind, but I do know the God that has called you and promised to walk with you. I know that he's faithful. I know that he loves you. And you, if you'll live like you're loved, take action on the steps that he's shown you, you can trust him with the outcome. And I want to give you a verse to memorize for this series, and I'll tie it in more uh, next week, but it's from 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So let's read this together as we're closing. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Okay. I believe that God is speaking to me, he's speaking to you and to our church, that the time is now. And he's inviting us to give ourselves fully to his work in 2017. If you'll do that, God promises that nothing you do will be in vain, and we can trust him with the outcome. So let's pray. Loving God, we, uh, I thank you for this church and for each person here. Um, thank you for the things that you've done in and through them throughout their lives. Thank you for what you have planned for them this year and for this church this year. And we come, and I, I don't know, I hope everybody's in agreement with me on this, but we offer ourselves, God, for another year for your purposes and your glory. Uh, show us what you have us to do and help us to do it, God, in, in your name and in your strength and for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.